As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crackling Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, never, never, ever on Tuesdays. It's my good friend, McKelly Bear. McKelly, what's up? It's so weird. It is I mean, weird. two Sundays, Dan, Tuesday. Like, what, what is happening to us? Uh, avoiding like Monday at all costs here. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks so much for tuning in. I think a lot of you did see that we were scheduling this for Tuesday and uh, you guys sent us a bunch of really good voicemails so we'll start with one about McKellie's favorite player in the whole wide world Lou against Dort Hey Andrew and McKellie I was just wondering what you think some realistic numbers for Lou Dort next season might be I mean average 17.2 on 40% last year 1.7 assists you see any of that going up going down what thanks Thank you so much for the question. Uh, McKellie, thoughts on Lou Dort's stats? I think that um, six points per game, that could be okay. <laughs> we'll give him uh, five shots. Six. No, um, seven shots, something like that. Oh, no, wow. Um, wow. I think that the, the, the most important thing here, uh, before we discuss points, is amount of shots. I think that before uh chat went down i think that um the sweet spot for me was around 10 yeah uh 10 shots per game i think that he can grow a little bit more uh so i wouldn't be surprised if he goes around 12. um i think that he could be a 15.5 to 16 points per game kind of uh season for Ludor. maybe more if he's more efficient if his uh, offensive role 
keeps growing. I mean, 17 point last season seemed like no one, no one foresaw that. Um, if the efficiency grows, then yeah, I mean, take more. Yeah. Um, with the current efficiency, I think that 10, 12 shots are his sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this gives also space to others. But um, but yeah, that is what I think. Yeah, in 51 games last year, he was 17, 4, and almost 2. Mm-hmm. 40% from the field, 33% from 3. I mean, it's going to be about the same. I think he's going to get about the same opportunity just because Chet's not there. And like, who else is going to have the gravity? Who else is going to take the shots? Like maybe Trey Mann takes a shot from him. Maybe J-Dub takes a shot from him. But like realistically, he's heading into his fourth NBA season. He's one of the more experienced guys on the team. And he's going to be counted on for points. I know that doesn't sound like something (laughs) that you'd want to say about Lou Dort with his primary like NBA skill being defensive stopper, but this is one of the things that I think could be a good thing about this team not having a lot to compete for is like Lou Dort can have time and space to develop his game. Yeah. Um, this is this happened with Jordan Poole in Golden State. Jordan Poole, his rookie season was one of the worst players in the league. Yeah, like, a lot of people thought like, "How could they have drafted this guy in the first round? Like, are you kidding me?" And then they tanked for two years, and he got to have as many reps as he wanted, and with those reps came improvement. And then, when it came time for the big guys to come back and play, he actually had some skill because he yeah. got to showcase it and he got to play against high level competition and he developed. Not everybody's going to develop because you play on a bad team. Not everybody developed in Golden State. They had a lot of players that didn't develop. Jordan Poole is one of them. I think we think of Lou Dort as kind of this finished product to a degree. No, I think I think you that know? this is uh, this is something. Yes, you're right. This is one of the mistakes we always do in both in both on, on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Sometimes we see a rookie and we see, wow, this is there is a ton of improvement. Yeah. And for guys that are in year three, year four, we say, yeah, that, that is the kind of player that he is. Yeah. Ludor's Sorry for 20, interrupting you. Ludor's 23. Yeah. So, and he was like a high-level recruit out of high school to Arizona State. This is a guy that has room to improve. And one of the ways that you get him to improve is giving him just more room to kind of explore what his game is. And I think that this season is just... While it's a bummer, I do think that Chet boxes him in a little bit more because mm-hmm. Chet is going to demand possessions. Chet is going to change the way they play on offense. So I would say that this is a chance for Ludor to to do the 17 points per game again and perhaps even more, honestly, because there are not a lot of high-volume like possession eaters on this team. There's just not, you know, like yeah. it's Shea, it's Lou, it's Trey Mann, and then it's like maybe, and then there starts uh, tons of maybe, and then it's like, what does J Dub demand? You know, what kind of you know shots does he get? Because like he took a lot of shots, 
at Santa Clara. Yeah. And he's a guy that can take you know offensive load. Like to me, if there's gonna be anybody that's going to take shots off his plate, it's him. Because I mean, you look at what he did at Santa Clara. He was 18 points a game. He was 18, four yeah. and four last season. You got to take a lot of shots to get to that level. And so he's a guy that theoretically could take shots from him and have he and Trey are the only two guys that I'm like have a chance to average more than 15 points a game. I'm not I wouldn't even predict that they would, but I'm saying if you were to find somebody on the roster that would do that, I would say those two. Yeah. And I would say it's highly unlikely that either of them really do that. Um, I have such a high hope for Trey, man. Yeah. Trey has a Trey's got a chance. He 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 needs to have a a good finish to the summer and a really good training camp. Yeah. You know, to get there cuz he's going to be a guy off the bench. It's tough to average that many off the bench. I I mean yeah. just like flat out is. And same same with with J-Dub. Like it's going to be tough for him as well to get there. But I'm just saying like potential wise, it's those two. Like I don't really see that in anybody else. Really. Like Jang won't be ready yet. Aaron Wiggins not going to take that many shots. Baisley, no. Uh Poku if, if that happened with Poku, I mean, that would be like the greatest thing in the whole world, but no, not going to yeah. happen. Um, so, I mean, that's those are the candidates. But I do think that a lot of times we probably do Lou Dort a disservice in the way that we talk about him because there is still room to grow. He's a guy who works his tail off. Yeah. And those guys sometimes make a, a leap that no one's ready for. You know, so I would say he's going to be about what he was last year. If I were to make a prediction, you know, give or take, yeah. give or take one point and one rebound and one assist on either side. Yeah. And again, the, the key is efficiency and number of shots to me. Like if he improves Definitely. and keeps the same amount of shots, he can average 20 points. Yeah. Like by just sheer off being a little bit more efficient. It's not that between 17 and 20, it's just one tree per game. Um, which is not nothing. Uh, it's hard to achieve, but, but hey, this is part of, of the improvement that I think in order to have a more prominent role, he needs to have. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, this next question is about players playing off ball more. Hey guys, Francisco here from Argentina. Uh, I have actually two questions. Uh, one, I would like to know what do you expect from Shay, Dort, and Shay Dab uh, off ball this upcoming season. Feel like that them playing a little bit off ball would help the team a lot. Uh, and I would like to know if you have, if you guys have tried uh, dulce de leche, and traditional Argentinian dessert that I'm almost sure you will love. Thanks. I love the pod. Keep it up. Have you had Dolce de Leche, McKelly? No. I think I think I think I had something like that, but I don't remember. Um So I know that it's, it's like made differently in different places. So I don't know if I've had like the traditional like Argentinian way to make it. I know that I've had it like with like on dessert. Like I'll have like a cheesecake that has like dulce de leche like drizzled on it or something like that. I don't know that I've had like sh- straight up had it though, and I yeah would like to try it. Yeah, possibly the same. And on off ball, I think that uh, one of the things that I want to do, and 
I, it's the second time I, I say this, um, it's to make a pod just talking about off-ball movement because it's something that this team lacks. Yeah. So I think that one of the emphasis of this season should be learning how to be effective off-ball. And yeah. this is Trey Mann, Lou Dort, Shea, and J-Dub. I think that Giddy, uh, to a certain degree, has to learn how to be effective off-ball, but it's no not with the, sh- with the shot. Right. Um, it is with, hey, screen, cut, screen. move, yes. uh, screen, back screen. Bro. Yeah. And stuff like that. So um, it's it's these sort of things, and I think that it's extremely important to see them off the ball. Um, Shea shown in year two that he's pretty capable of doing it. Yeah. Uh, he can be efficient while doing it. Uh, I think he's better on ball because he's insanely talented. But there will be will be times where he has to be the screener or pick and roll partner with with Giddy. Sometimes he has to relocate. To the far corner just to space the court um so yeah i think that everyone should be um able and should show that he's able to play off ball some yeah i think that kenrich has done a good job of that and is like a good mentor to some of these young guys and showing them how to function off ball like he and giddy had like instant chemistry just because of the way that he would move off the yeah. ball and so i think giddy could learn from Kenrich a little bit too, because mm-hmm. like Kenrich is not like some knockdown shooter. Um, no, and so I think that Giddy could learn a little bit from there because if like you have Giddy screening for Shea, and Giddy like flashes to the paint and like feels like he can score there, or like just you know throw a bullet to the corner from wherever on the court, like yeah. those are the kind of things that you want to see. I think J Dub is going to be a guy that understands how to play the game so well that he's going to be somebody that plays off ball. We saw it in summer league. That's only going to increase. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my, my cell phone dropped. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I think, yeah, he's going to be somebody that's going to be very helpful because he knows how to play angles and he knows, and he's using good at using his body and the athleticism that he has. And so I think that he's going to be a big part of unlocking some things this year. A lot of times I don't factor him in just because I don't know exactly what we're going to get from him this year, mm-hmm. and I think it's probably unfair expectations to put on him. But I think that that's somebody that there are very few guys that I think could change like the trajectory of this season for the Thunder. If Jalen Williams comes into the season and is like impactful from day one and plays a big chunk of minutes and is efficient and plays well and can I mean he can fill so many roles. He's somebody that you can, like, okay, I got to recalibrate a little bit from my 25 wins to whatever it is. Like, he's somebody that could possibly impact it. I'm not, I'm not betting on that happening, mm-hmm. but it's definitely possible um, of yeah, anybody. It, it's when the talent, uh, the overall results are probably better than the, sing, the talent of the singles, because if yeah, you have sure. players like Ken Rich and NJ Dub, um, or at least the idea of J-Dub that we have, then yeah. yes, the team can play better. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I completely agree. Uh, this next question is about Sam Presti. Hey, Andrew, Mikey, this is Carter Bradford, uh, long-time listener, but listening to you guys. Um, what do you guys think are some lessons that Sam Presti has learned after his first, you know, first 10, 12 years with the Thunder, first um, time with, Grant Westbrook Harden and 
maybe what he'll do different this time around as far as maybe going into the luxury tax sooner with these guys and not making the mistake with Harden or maybe making different trades earlier uh, for maybe different players, not getting the uh, <laughs> the Derek Fishers of the world. Um, so just let me know what you guys think about some lessons he's kind of learned. Thanks, guys. So this is, it's going to be interesting to see a lot of this we don't know yet because we don't know how he's going to upgrade the roster once he feels like he's got the core of the team. Mm-hmm. We don't even know exactly what he thinks that he has in this core yet, <laughs> you know? Um, mm-hmm. I would gander that he thinks it's incomplete and that they've got to go get another like big piece from the draft. And then we'll see. I, I think that you can definitely learn lessons from the Harden trade in that I think if you gave him truth serum and he had one more go at it, he would at least give him the Harden, you know, experiment one more year. You know, I think you just have to. <laughs> when you think about it and you see what happened with the team. Uh, yeah, even if year. you are worried about the locker room, yeah, it's they are just too talented to yeah. let it go immediately. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing that it's clear that he understood is wait for the new rules to yeah. come in yeah, before yeah, you yeah. commit. Yeah, I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, and then also. We're seeing how much he's changed with how he's drafting guys. Yeah. Like these are all skilled guys. All can play the game. They're not necessarily great athletes. It's not like anybody's like a really bad athlete, but if you look at like the previous era, like I don't think he would have drafted Josh Giddy in the previous era of the Thunder. Um, part of that is that the league is evolving and that the game is evolving and changing. But there's not anybody on the team that's like unskilled, you know, yeah. that's like Tabo or um, Andre or anybody like that. You know, even Serge, like Serge was like a good shot blocker and a good shooter from the mid range, but like, yeah. He, and even good was, he had potential to be sure. a shooter, but he was like, raw just like this like crazy athlete didn't know how to play the game like couldn't really pass on a short roll he like developed a he did it like a couple times in a game and we thought it was like some revolutionary thing but like no yeah, but it was in year six i know man <laughs> like... i know but this iteration of the team is just so different you know they everybody can make that short roll pass you know you put them in that situation like everybody yeah. can and so that to me is one thing. And also just like overall passing is like is obviously a big priority. Because like yeah. who's like a who's a terrible passer that's on the team that was drafted in like the last you know, two in these last two drafts or acquired in these last like two Pokushevsky. drafts. Pokushevsky. I don't know, man. Poku's got their back behind the back, man. <laughs> behind the back to the to me in the stands. Um everybody can pass. You know, that's that's an important Thing that was not the case. I mean, you take a look at like the number of like good passers that were on the Thunder previously. It's like Westbrook, Durant, Harden, but like those were just like great players, anyways. Yeah. And outside of those three, like who is like a great passer that played on this team that was drafted, selected? You know, 
Yeah, I mean, um, I think that that is definitely a part of the things that he that he's doing differently. Mm-hmm. Um, he or the person he hired. I mean, it's uh, it's always a collective effort. So even even talking about lessons, like yeah, it's 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 probably um, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, one thing that I really like that he's doing and was not doing before is not to react. Mm-hmm. Like the the perk move was a reaction. Yeah, was not like yeah we can't stand whoever plays in LA at center, and so we need that guy. Um, right now, I don't see many teams that are constructing their roster in the same way as OKC is doing. Yeah, um, like all skill, um, every player should can. Um, can take a shot, pass, or dribble. Like, this is not something that is common. And mm-hmm. so they are trying to find their own path yep. to success. Yep. And I think that this is different from, from what they had before. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this next one is about the, uh, the Paul George trade and the, uh, the Raptors. A couple weeks ago, you guys mentioned that the starting point in a PG... 13 trade with the Raptors was Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and four first-round picks. Looking back at it, do you wish the Thunder would have traded with the Raptors instead of the Clippers? What do hmm. you think? So Fred Van Vliet, Siakam... Get those four first rounders. I guess it would depend on what those picks were because, like, remember they had the fourth pick in the draft. You yeah, know? I mean, if it if that yeah, but pick... but not with with Kawhi and and PG because I'm under the assumption that Kawhi, PG, if... and Russ. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. I'm rewriting. And Russ. Here. Russ was in the package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russ would have gone to the Raptors too. Okay. I still say I would rather have Shea than either Siakam or Fred VanVleet. As of today, yes, yes. Even though, like their accolades, I mean, All Star teams and all. I mean, Siakam made All NBA. You know, there's yeah. like they have that. But if Shea were on a team that was winning, like would Shea, in the, especially in the Eastern Conference, make All NBA? Like I think if Fred VanVleet can make it, I think that there's a chance that All NBA is tough. All Star, yes, definitely make the All Star team like Fred did. It's I th- I don't think that like third team All NBA is like out of the question for him, especially in the East. Um, so I would, yeah. I would still prefer this trade package, and like they've gotten Trey Mann and J Dub out of the the trade too. Like when you start to yeah. total it up. Um, so I still like this better, just to have Shea, honestly. Yeah, and the, the the comparison is not with the LA package, is with the LA plus Houston. the the four picks from yep. Houston, the yep. picks and, and swaps. Yeah, which may account to nothing. Um, yeah. Right, exactly. But those are very valuable now. Like they can be very good picks if you give Paul George. Kawhi and Russ to Toronto, that can be a dynamite. 
So yeah. that is the selling point to me, not Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam. It's about the picks in that case. Because yeah. those are players that I don't think they are amenable to stay long-term in OKC. It's mm. not. like These are players that, that may be very well saying, hey, um, it's one year and then I need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's really about the picks in that scenario. And there is a high upside for those picks mm-hmm. because you can be very bad if something wrong happened. Yeah. Yeah, I... Give me the... Give me the Clippers and Houston package. You're right. That's that's exactly what you're measuring it against, um, which is a lot more difficult um, rather than just that. Uh, okay, this next question is about uh, Tank Commanders. Hey, Down to Dunk. Uh, this is Senator Kennedy from Nashville, Tennessee. I just had a quick Ronnie Price question. So do you think – I'm just kidding. I don't have a Ronnie Price question. So my real question is if you had to have – a starting five of all tank commanders, who would that starting five be? It could be all time, it could be strictly thunder, it could be around the league, it could be current players only. Uh, yeah, just let me know your starting five tank commanders. Also, bonus question, because I'm greedy. How do you think Michael Cage and or Chris Fisher will pronounce Usman Jang's name this upcoming season? Thanks, guys. <laughs> we might get like a Diang from, from Cage. Yeah. Yang, yes. Yeah, he's trying to pronounce every letter in that in that last I think name. Bet Fisher will mess a little bit with Usman, like pronouncing it in a Usman. No, like more more separated, like Usman, something Oof. like that. Usman Jang. Yes, something like that. I bet that that that, that can happen. <laughs> um, tank commanders. Isaiah Roby. Isaiah Roby. That is why why, uh, San Antonio Spurs signed him. So the guy, I don't know why, when I was listening to this question last night, the first guy that popped into my head was Andre Blatch. I was just like, oh my gosh. Nice. Philippines. He is like the ultimate. He's he's like Christian Wood before Christian Wood was Christian Wood. Like crazy talented, big guy, like 6'11", like 240". Just this monster, um, and I'm trying to remember where he played. Oh, I think he came straight from high school. Like he was a part yeah. of that era. Came straight from high school, um, but like was on these Wizards teams. He averaged like 16 points per game one season for them, and they were just putrid that year. Let me see what did they? How did they? Yeah, he's a guy that has so many mental lapses during the game. Yeah, I vividly remember the last game that Italy played against the Philippines. By the way, Italy beat Jokic like wow. two days ago. Wow, yeah. That's insane. I, I that didn't watch insane. the game. Yeah, I will keep not watching, so maybe something <laughs> good happened. Um, but anyway, um, he had, on one hand, he could do like, I don't know, go for 30. But then he had so many defensive mistakes mm-hmm. and moments where he said, what are you doing? Why? Yeah. <laughs> so... I Yeah, I would say give me like a Christian Wood Andre Blatch front court. <laughs> and then I would say point guard. You need somebody who's not really a point guard. You need somebody who 
Casper Ware. He was the tank commander of the Philadelphia uh, 76ers. Yeah, Casper Ware, that was pretty brutal. I would say like Jordan Clarkson, I think would be a really good tank commander for a team. Yeah, like, too good for that. Yeah, too good. I think. It, but if we're talking like he's not a point guard, he's like your sixth man. But I think if you yeah. like gave, if you with Christian Wood and Andre Blatch, if you just handed Jordan Clarkson the keys and said, hey man, you're the guy. You're the guy. Go cook. Let's go. Let's do this. And then you throw Nick Young on the wing, and that's nice. I'm trying to think who else on the wing. Oh, um, Stauskas. Stauskas. Stauskas stinks, but I'm gonna have to go with the original known loser, T.J. Warren. Oh, T.J. Warren, nice. That I think team, that that team could win at least 21 games. No, they'd win like eight. <laughs> Because no one passes, no one defends. It's just all buckets. It's like buckets only. Um, you don't think that they will have like eighteen random games in which at least one of the players will score? I think no, they'll have eight. No, I, you're right. Twenty-one is too much. Yeah, like I, fifteen. Yeah, they they would be that would be really really bad. Um, and they're all like also they're gonna have so many arguments. It's just gonna be just a complete disaster. Um, you, I mean, they're going to fire the coach midway through the season. It's going to be a complete disaster. It's going to be glorious, but yeah. Such a, sh- you should be ashamed that, that Simash Kristen is not in that unit. I don't want to mention his name on this podcast ever again. <laughs> That's why. Anyway, let's do it. Um, OKC only. I would go OKC only. I think that I would have Simash there. Yeah. Okay. As my only. point guard. Yeah. Um, I think that Isaiah Robbie needs to be there together with um, Diakite. Um, <laughs> Diakite was too good for a tanking team. Um, I kind of like Diakite, mostly yeah. just because he's like the coolest guy ever. But yeah, yeah. Then I mean, for a, for a certain amount of games, uh, Hamidou Diallo was the tank commander. But I think it's he too got good too for that. good at one point. Yeah, exactly. I think Dar- so I think have... you not put Darius on there. I can't. Okay. Darius is the kryptonite of Shea and Giddy together. Yeah, he it's is. not a bad player in general. Um, I think he doesn't work with Giddy and Shea right now. I'm really convinced. Um, so, Kalidzakis, you think? No, he... he's not really a Thunder player. Oh, I... let's put in Teo Maledon. He averaged 17 points per game in his four games. Oh, yeah, Teo. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Theo can share the backcourt with Samaj. I don't think that that is yeah, uh, yeah, terrible. Yeah. Oh, we need terrible. two wings. Um, Paul Watson. <laughs> Definitely doesn't help. really count. It's not a real player. Come on. He's oh, we need to find some, someone who at least played the entire <gasps> season. Gabby Deck. Oh, there was a... Yeah. No. Justin Jackson? It's just like a player that... I don't know. I don't like him. Justin Jackson is a good name. Uh, he was a, uh, he's good. He was good for our tank. Yeah, he and was. Then, what about uh, Josh Hall? Josh Hall, nice. That is a great name. Yeah. Uh, I was so into Josh Hall being something. <laughs> uh, no, it was not Josh Hall. Uh, it was Devon Hall. I oh, don't remember Devin Hall. which. Devon Hall was. He was the short guard. Josh Hall. The short uh, guard. Josh, no, Josh Hall, Hall long, is terrible. Long legs, yeah. wing. Yeah, yeah. He was terrible. What about nice. Abdul Nader? No, poor, poor Dolly. I I love that. I grow fond of him. Yeah, I love that guy. He's the best. Yeah, we need a bad power forward. 
What about T Ferg? Uh, He'd be really nah. super terrible on a tanking team. He would be. He would help the tank. Yeah, maybe maybe T Ferg is the answer. Uh, if not T Ferg, um, I don't want to put Josh Hustis in an all tank team because it's unfair. Oh, poor Josh. Um, and let's see. Um, Grant Jarrett. Grant Jarrett. Poor Grant Jarrett, take, just catching strays on a random Tuesday. He's just trying to enjoy his life. He's the you know, manager at Best Buy now. Like, just leave him alone. You know, he's playing professional basketball in, in Germany, I think. Oh, okay. I just I just, mentioned, just could think of Grant Jarrett wearing that blue Best Buy, you know. Um, <laughs> and by the way, DJ White is now in the front office. DJ White. Shout out to DJ White. Yeah. I saw him play live in Casale, by the way. Oh, really? A few years ago. He was playing for... A, touring and he was clearly overqualified for wow. uh the italian league but also not very into <laughs> the italian league okay fo- so. forwards forwards kyle singler patrick patterson done yeah you're right yeah singler is the name yeah yeah singler is definitely the name uh okay this is a question all the way from australia about expansion hey andrew and mickey this is jess african kiwi Finding from Western Australia, which is not African or Kiwi. Uh, I've got a question about expansion draft. Uh, you spoke about expansion draft on Friday, and it got me thinking, if two more teams began, how do those owners come about? Do they phone? Uh, do they um, pay the NBA $2 billion each, or how, how do they assess how much a team is worth and who... Who do they buy it from? Um, and then my second question is, I'm presuming both those teams, Seattle and Las Vegas, would be in the Western Conference. So who do you think would shift to the East? Thank you. Thank you for that question, Jess. Jess has been a long-time listener. Um, I'm so underqualified to answer the first one. So the money goes to the owners. Is, yeah. Is like why a lot of owners are in favor of it. They would just get money in their pocket, so I think it is about two billion. I think that she's right. Is what it would cost. I don't know exactly what it would cost, but that money. But just even goes, with the TV money arriving, like the point to me, I, yeah, if I, don't I was one of the owner, I would do basically a projection of what the revenue share will yeah. be and the value of the the teams. Um, if it's likely to improve or decrease, depending on the number. I think that the, these improve. two teams will improve the value of the league. Mm-hmm. So that's a positive. But at least I need to have owners that are pretty wealthy so they can pay. Uh, and, and that has to make sense with the revenue sharing otherwise. Yeah. Why would yeah. you do it? Um, yeah. And the, as far as what team moves east, I think it's Memphis. Yeah. If we're talking Mini? like... Hmm? Minnesota is could Mini- be it could be Minnesota. I would guess yeah. it would be Memphis though. Yeah. If anybody's going to move east, that's what I would guess. I don't know. I don't know a ton about either one of these questions if I'm being honest, but that is um kind of I mean Vegas money wise makes so much sense. Oh yeah. In any case. Like the point is let's put Vegas in and let's figure out if uh someone from Seattle can put anything together. Um, but it may be that 
it's I, I don't know if there is any talk about any other eastern cities that can be in the mix i have no idea yeah i don't know either yeah I'm, i haven't not that i've heard of i think most of those cities are covered for the most part that they would want um Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, thanks again for the question. Here's our next one. Uh, hey, dudes, it's Tyler from Dude Buffet. Uh, I'm out here in Seattle for my cousin's wedding, and I'm just fighting people every day. How do I get these hippies from Seattle to understand that no one stole their team? The Starbucks man sold it to a guy who he knew would move it, but they're still drinking their Starbucks out here. Uh, I think they should be mad at him instead of me, but I'm the one getting in all the fist fights. Uh, thanks, dudes. Rise together. <laughs> no one fought me in Seattle last week. I was going to say, McKelly anyway. was just in Seattle. Were you the one fighting him? Possibly. Wow. I actually discussed basketball with uh, with someone in Seattle, but it yeah. was very amenable. Yeah. yeah. I. It's funny because it was definitely the case that they sold the team to a guy they knew wanted a team in Oklahoma City because Clay yeah. helped get the Hornets 
to Oklahoma City during the during Katrina. And yeah, Clay had super close ties with David Stern. And both of them thought that a team could exist in Oklahoma City. And so the minute that they agreed to sell the team to Clay Bennett and his group, it was almost like a foregone conclusion because the, yeah. the public had already said, we're not going to pay for another arena. We've already paid football and baseball, and we're done. And Clay Bennett was not going to build an arena in Seattle. He was going to bring it to OKC. So, yeah, there were mistakes made. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would say the only way to stop getting in fistfights is to leave Seattle because, um, man, I know that if my team was taken, like if the Thunder were taken from here by somebody, I, we would be miserable, miserable people. So I don't blame them. Don't blame them one bit. Uh, okay, this next question is from McKelly. Howdy, fellas. My name is Chris Stevens from OKC, and I've got a question for McKelly. Um, there's currently several players in the league who are thriving with their current team after a rough start with their original team. I'm thinking of guys like Chris Middleton, Zach Levine, and especially Andrew Wiggins right now. Uh, these players obviously just needed the right team or system to thrive. So my question is, pineapple on authentic Italian pizza just operating in the wrong system while it's thriving on greasy, salty American pizza? Or is it just a bad topping? Thanks, guys. I I think that you are misusing cuisine just to get me mad. Um, <laughs> the question is hilarious because it takes such a sharp turn there at the end. Because you're like, okay, we're talking about these players and what they've done. It's just like pizza. Uh, it's really funny. No, I mean, nothing is really misplaced. Um, any, anything can have upside. I think that um, Italian and uh, American pizza are different in terms of taste, and so different toppings are good with um, different type of, type of pizza. Uh, one thing that I want to say is that American pizza is way more sweet than Italian pizza, mm. which is very acid because we don't put really sugar in tomatoes, which mm -hmm. is something... It's common there, so it's it's really different. Yeah. That's why something sometimes they say, "Hey, uh, pineapple! If you put it there, there is a CDC with a CDD, and it's not really working for me and uh, stuff yeah. like that." But speaking for the first part, I think that one of the things that OKC needs to do in the future is trying to find guys in that same spot that that um, the listener was they, describing. They tried to last time around; yeah. they really did. Dion, Ennis, yes, you know even Hashim. Yeah, know. to some degree, and to some degree, I mean, they kind of got got something, but not really. Yeah, yeah, they did not get the result of the guys that he's talking about. You know, yeah, he did not get like Andrew Wiggins level player. I mean, that guy would have been like amazing on the Thunder, but um, he was a max player. Like, he so. Was. Wiggins was bad to some degree, but still, it was one year removed from signing a max player that many people said, ah, this is not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But those are the guys that I think uh, OKC will have the financial flexibility and the assets to get mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. 
Uh, this next question is a uh, fake trade. Uh, interested to see what you think. What's going on, fellas? Uh, my name is Bryson. I'm from North Carolina. I just had a quick question for y'all. I heard you guys talking about, you know, trading Darius, uh, basically just, you know, a couple episodes ago. And I was thinking about a trade for him with Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, and obviously Baisley. I think that Detroit could use the, the wing stopping potential, the defense of Baisley. They have the offense to match up with it, and I just think that Beef Stew would actually be a pretty good running base with Chet considering what he does and the fact that he is working on his shot, whether that comes through or not. I think he could be a good backup, you know, big center man. So and just thank you guys. Have a great day. I would say yes to this trade. Um there's I don't know way Troy Weaver does. I don't think Troy Weaver likes that deal. Isaiah Stewart's like a, a good player. He's also so like some trepidation I would have is like he and Jeremiah are like pretty similar players. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah's probably a little bit better passer. Isaiah's like a tougher player, probably better rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, they're Isaiah's like one of their better young prospects. And he's still young, still developing. Uh, they're hoping that he'll develop a three-point shot this year. Um, so yeah, I I don't think they would need him. Also, they've got they've got a lot of guys that they are like projecty bigs or wings. Like you know, they just signed Marvin Bagley to like a pretty big deal. They still have Kelly Olynyk. They have Nerlens Noel on their team now, which is they have also Jalen Duran. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah. They drafted him, right? They they paid Jaylen it there in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that this is why Bryson asked this question, like because he doesn't really fit into the minute the minute that uh, Detroit has to yeah. some degree. Really, I think the other guys I named don't fit as much. I think that you want to play beef stew with Jalen Duran if he can space out. What a terrible idea. If he can space out? Yeah, but would you guard him? If like you can shoot. your is your game sure? No, my game plan is to let him take nine trees. <laughs> if he can shoot from the corners, he'd be a super valuable player because he's tough as nails. You know, and if he can shoot it, you just don't believe in the shot. No, even if I do believe, that is not the point. Like. He has to be like a 45% three-point shooter from the corner for me to even thinking about planning for that. That's a high bar. Yeah, but this is the P.J. Tucker bar. Yeah. Like, he was that good, and that's why. And, and even even then, people were not really closing out on him. He was just nailing trees, and people say, oh, yeah, okay, the, 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 the other alternative is worse, so I, I will just pack the paint. Mm-hmm. So to me, like... And it's the same thing that I'm afraid of with, with Jeremiah. He has to take a lot of trees and he has to make them to a, to a high clip before mm-hmm. people will start to care. Mm-hmm. Look in Summer League, they were not like staying close to him in pick and pop situation. We chat was, hey, I'm glued to him. Yeah. I'm not letting him move. That is true. different. So that's why I don't see the two working together. Whereas I see Carl Anthony Towns playing with Gobert because nobody. Nobody will leave Caltowns open yeah, yeah, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. So that works. Um, I think that 
in, in due time, it may work with uh, with Mobley and, and Jared Allen because of Mobley. Mm-hmm. With Beef Stew, I don't believe that. Yeah. The problem with Beef Stew, too, is that he is not a four. No. He's a small five. Yeah. And so to me... And Duran is not either a four. Duran's he's a small six, five. Ten, 250. I mean, he's big, though. He's a lot bigger than, than Isaiah is. Um, so, yeah, I... I theoretically like love the idea of having Isaiah Stewart on this team just because I like him as a player and a prospect. Um, he's going to be pretty similar to Jeremiah. He's probably a higher level prospect than Jeremiah is. Um, so yeah, I would probably, I would definitely say yes to that for Baisley. I don't think that they have any use for Darius though at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Like I would rather have Darius than Kevin Knox, but. I don't know. It's a pretty low bar. It's a pretty low bar. It's a pretty low bar. I'm not sure that there's a deal to be done there, but I do like where your head's at. Um, keep throwing us fake trades. Um, it's a good thing. Uh, all right. This next question is about the CBA. Hey, Andrew McKellar, long-time listener. Love the show. I was listening to uh, the most recent summer of Sam about the Paul George trade, and it made me have a question about the upcoming CBA. My understanding is one of the disagreements between the owners and the players is that star players are signing these long contracts and asking out before the end of the contract. But isn't the situation a lot better for both the players and the franchises? I know the Thunder were way better off with Paul George signing the long-term deal rather than doing a one-year deal. Um, and it also gave Paul George some financial um, stability. Um, if you give me your opinions on that, that'd be great. Thank you. Oh, I think he, he's absolutely right. I don't think that owners are happy that contracts are basically not worth anything um, or not worth anything. They can, that anyone can discuss in public uh, their request to a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't think that they will like him. They absolutely like what happened in OKC with Paul George. That was quiet until it was done. Yep. Um, so I think that there is value on one hand because if he, if those star players are signed to contract, the, the original team can get assets for. Um, and also talking about and moving stars is what makes the NBA special. Mm-hmm. Uh, 365 or 66 days a year. Um, so they don't want to move away from that, but maybe inserting something where, which is extremely hard, but it's sort of a tampering stuff. Like you can't tamper with your team by saying, I want out like that, that, that thing may be discussed somehow, uh, to control how quickly that spreads or something like that. But, but even then again, um, the NBA makes money. If Mark Stein or um, or or um, Shams or Voj tweet about, hey, KD wants out, mm-hmm. that is that is money for everyone. So I I don't expect that to be a very hard negotiation point. Yep. Yeah, I I understand how the, like this looks like a broken system, and in a lot of ways it is. But the fact remains that like everybody's making money. Yeah. And it's 
unfortunate that guys can ask out of contracts pretty quickly. However, like the Thunder are in a good spot right now. I know they're not going to win next year, but they're in a really good spot. You know, there are teams that are in bad spots. Like the Wizards are in a bad spot. They just maxed out Bradley Beal, and they have basically nobody else to really play with him or to give themselves a future. Like those teams are in trouble. The Knicks are in trouble to a degree. Um, there are a lot of teams in trouble. The Thunder aren't one of them. You know, the Thunder are on their way up. The Thunder will be a good team at some point. Like it will happen. Uh, whether it's as soon as two seasons from now or three, whenever that is, it's going to happen. It's all about management and ownership at this point. You know, that's the that's what will differentiate teams from one another. And the Thunder could have found themselves in a really awful place, except for they had really good management and really good ownership. And so, to me, that's always going to be the differentiator. There, if you made a rule against asking out of their contract, there would be something else as a reaction to it would happen that people would be up in arms about. So, at the end of the day, these players are going to do what they want to do. They want to play where they want to play. And it just... It just is. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in a, in a place where I think the NBA needs fixed. I mean, the Durant thing was great for content. <laughs> it was great yeah. for us for several weeks. And even though nothing happened ultimately, like nothing happened, but it was mm-hmm. a, a great content generator. And that's like a big thing for this league. It's like just having eyes on it. So I don't expect them to fix anything, but largely because everybody's making money. Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question. Hello, Down to Dunk. My name is Luke Drake, and I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I My question for you today is, with Chet being out, or going to be out for the rest of the season, I was uh, going to ask, how important do you think this time is for Poku's development? Uh, I know that a lot of people have thought that he could be a bust, and I just wanted to know if uh, if any more Poku news you could give us. Thank you. It is extremely important. I mean, it it would have been even with Chet here. um, He has to start showing something um, in terms of being consistent and being efficient, because consistency, to be completely fair, I think that we saw stretches of this of the season where it was helpful, yeah. um, which is which is better mm-hmm. than the first season. Now we have to see results in terms of efficiency. I'm not saying league, league average efficiency, but even something like 45% from two and 33% from three would be a good achievement for, for Poku. Yeah. Um, he, I don't even know if he qualifies as a bust because he he will get his option guaranteed throughout this contract and this is not the norm mm. uh, in general like there are many players between uh, picks in the picked in the teens yeah. that yeah. don't make it um, so the norm is to have about 20 meaningful player every year mm-hmm. um, so poku was picked 17 so it's kind of a failure but not like a bust is Anthony Bennett. Yeah. A bust is Kevin Knox that you pick eight and it's, and even, even Knox is not a bust. Like he will not be remembered period. Yeah. Like the bust you clearly remember because they were top five guys 
that were terrible. Uh, not even Dante Exum is discussed as a bust. Like no one remembers him. Yeah, he's a. I mean, he's a bust, but yeah, he it, is. It just but how matter. many times do you remember him? Yeah. No, I mean you're right. He's not thought of. Marvin Bagley is a bust because yes. he's sick number two, and is remembered. Josh Jackson is a bust at four for the Suns. Oh, I keep remembering about Josh Jackson and his. I mean, <laughs> when just, he escaped at the yeah. music festival. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jalil Okafor, big, yeah, big time bust. You know, uh, Derek Williams. In 2011, was a bust. MKG is a bust. Yeah, yeah. even Jabari Parker to the to some degree. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think pick 17. I don't know. Call him a bust. Uh, a couple things about Poku. Just uh, you know, if you're into hope and stuff like that, he's not even 21 yet. Doesn't turn 21 until December. So there's one thing. Uh, second thing, he jumped from. 34% from the field to 40% from the field in a, you know, between the two seasons. Like, he went from, oh my gosh, he should never play in the NBA to, oh, oh my gosh, can he play in the NBA? Like, that's the question that we're talking now. Um, and didn't make a big jump as far as three point percentage goes. He was 28% last year and 28% the year before. But he did go from 41% effective field goal percentage to 47%. And then from two, he went from 40% to almost 50%. So if he can just, he didn't have to be a great three-point shooter, but if he can be a 33 or 34% three-point shooter, then it's like, okay, like now we're cooking with something. Because this guy like defended better last year than he did in his rookie season. Mm -hmm. Like these are like baby steps for Poku. And so he's got to have a really good summer. He's got to make some improvement. He's got to be more comfortable on the court. But with Chet gone, again, it's a similar conversation we're having about Dort. It's like now there's room for guys to take minutes and to develop. Yeah. And that's what's most important when it comes to developing a player from really like nothing to something is do you have the time and the resources to invest? And they do. And Sam Presti talked about this when he did the Chet press conference. Is like, something good will come of this. And I think part of like what that something good could be is that somebody on the team is going to get time, whether that's Poku or, you know, Baisley still could improve. I, I know that I'm out on Baisley and that a lot of people are, but, you know, he's only 22. Like, there's, yeah, there's he's a chance. Young that he could develop. I think Lou Dort could be that guy. Usman Jang could be that guy. Um, somebody could have the opportunity to become a better player. And a lot of times you just don't know. Again, Jordan Poole was terrible. If you would have at, if you would have taken a poll on the Warriors Reddit page after his rookie season, like, how many years does Jordan Poole play in the league? I bet people have said like two, maybe one yeah, more season. Over like, under 1.5. Yeah. I think everybody would say under. Like this dude sucks. Yeah. And if somebody would have told you that he would have played on a team that won the NBA Finals and played a crucial role for them, I think they would have just said like you're crazy. Like yeah, there has to be another guy yeah. with the name Jordan Poole that we bring in to do that because not that guy. Yeah. 
You just don't know. For the most part, most Jordan Poole stories end up being just a guy that is in and out. They are Samaj. And they're in and they're out and they're gone. That's yeah. the most likely that's the more likely story. However, there are times where guys improve and when they do, it's in environments like this. So there's a chance that it could be Poku, that it could be any of the guys that are on the roster are going to have a chance. So, but they got to go take it. That's the thing. Poole took the opportunity. He got better. He tried hard. He fit in. He worked. He worked and worked and worked and worked. And he became a really good player. One of these guys is going to have to do that. It could be Trey Mann. It could be Poku. It could be, I think Ty Jerome's probably going to get cut. But heck, it could be Ty Jerome. I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. But there are a lot of guys that are going to get the chance. It could be Aaron Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins could be that guy. I might even have more faith in Aaron Wiggins than I do Poku or Baisley or any of these guys. Um, yeah. But somebody's going to have the chance. And I'm interested to see who that is. Uh, okay. Anything else before we go, McKelly? Can't wait to pod again on Monday. Looking forward to the Monday pod. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Hope that your week is going well. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again. We're going to do the podcast on Thursday with Alex. So that's the, the pod that we're going to talk about, the Russell Westbrook for Chris Paul trade. So uh, join us. I don't know what time on Thursday we're going to do it, but um, we'll be here. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Thursday.